right, so if I was to describe an animal, here, we're just going to go with an animal. And I said, this animal is fierce, smart, it's strong. An animal that if you saw in the wild, you would most likely try to run or hide. Some have called it the king of the jungle, although Daniel this morning debated that this animal doesn't live in a jungle. He says, it lives in a safari, Pastor. A savanna, sorry. Okay. My, my, my correction. What type of animal do you think I'm speaking of? A fierce, strong animal? It is a lion. What if I flipped that and I described another animal? I said, this animal is not a lion. This animal is stupid. Not smart. This animal is helpless. This animal is defenseless. This animal is prone to stray. This animal requires constant oversight. This animal requires constant leading, constant rescuing. What animal might I be speaking of? (laughs) That's a sheep. And Terry, you would know that. Terry's got sheep. These sheep, goats, sheep. You know, I find it very interesting that, you know, when you look at Scripture, Scripture doesn't refer to us as lions. Although some of us might think that we're strong and, you know, we're fierce and we're the, the master of our own domain. Scripture doesn't say that we're a lion. As a matter of fact, it does so say that we are sheep. And that might not sit well with some of us going, wait, you just said sheep are stupid. They're defenseless. They're helpless. They're constantly straying. Well, I don't like that description. Well, the reality is that describes us very well. It's very accurate. And although we might think otherwise, that's us, the sheep. You know, Isaiah 53, 6, some of you are very familiar with this verse. It says, all we like sheep have gone astray. That's what sheep do. They wander. It says, we have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, being Christ, the iniquity of us all. We're like sheep. We read in Psalm 100, verse 3, Know that the Lord... He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. I want you to think about a sheep. A sheep without a shepherd, with someone guiding and leading them, what's going to happen to them? Anybody know? They're going to die. They're going to get in all kinds of recklessness, and they'll eventually die. Jesus, when he began his ministry in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, he goes out and he sees the crowds, we read, and he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now, for those of you that know anything about a shepherd, shepherds are different in the East as they are in the West. In Eastern civilization, in the Far East, shepherds would go out and lead the sheep. They would walk out and the sheep would come from behind them. If you see someone around here who's a shepherd, they have like sheepdog going and come from behind, scurrying the sheep over, and they're pushing and moving the sheep. Much different the image. The image that we see in Scripture is the shepherd who's out in front, the shepherd who is leading. And that's what we're going to see this morning as we look at a message titled, The Good Shepherd Loves Me. And this morning we will see that we have a good shepherd, our Lord Jesus Christ. We are back in the Gospel of John this morning. 
To put it back in context, John chapter 9, we're at the end of it. Jesus has just healed a blind man, a man that was born blind. And Jesus does a miracle in his life, and yet it's the Sabbath, and people are upset that he's healing somebody once again on the Sabbath. And those people would be the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees. And they get upset with this healing. Yet this man who was physically given sight, we also saw was given spiritual sight as well. When he said, Lord, I believe. This morning we're going to pick back up in John chapter 9, starting in verse 39. I want to read through 41. And this is the response Jesus has with these Pharisees in sight. Jesus says to them, For judgment I came into the world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, We see, your guilt remains. I want to stop on that little passage before we get into John chapter 10 this morning. And the first thing is, what is Jesus talking about? Because did Jesus come into the world to judge the world? If you've been through the study of John, you know that's not why he came. Back in John chapter 3, verse 17, we read, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So then what is Jesus talking about here in verse 38 when he says, for judgment I came into this world? Well, what does he say after that comma? Remember what just happened? There was a blind man given sight. He's using that as the context here. He says that those who do not see may see. Guess what? They just saw that. The blind man, that just happened. The Messiah is here, the Savior of the world, and he's given sight. But he says, and those who see may become blind. He says this to point out that the Pharisees who think they know all things, who are the religious leaders and yet are spiritually blinded to who Christ is. He's basically saying, look, if you reject me, you reject your only hope. Your only way of forgiveness you have forsaken says, those who would reject me will die in their sins. We read that in John chapter 8, verse 24. Jesus said, I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, you think that you see, you think that you know, but the fact that you're denying me means you're truly blind. And because you are so pompous and arrogant to say that we know and we see, says, your guilt remains upon you. There is no other way. If you reject Christ, he says, your guilt remains upon you. And that's what he's speaking to them. I like what John MacArthur said about this. John MacArthur put it this way. He said, to reject Jesus's peace is to receive his judgment, excuse me, his punishment. To reject his grace is to receive his justice. To reject his mercy is to receive his wrath. To reject his love is to receive his anger. To reject his forgiveness is to receive his judgment. While Jesus came to save, not to condemn, those who reject his gospel condemn themselves and subject themselves to judgment. He didn't come to judge. He came to save. Look, all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We were all headed to hell all on our own. Jesus didn't have to arrive for that. 
We have all chased after sin. Jesus came to save. But to those who would reject him, there's the condemnation. They're already there. Jesus uses this backdrop to begin teaching. He uses a figure of speech here, and he'll start talking about a sheep and a shepherd. Now, in order to understand this context, Jesus speaking to a Jewish crowd at the time, they understood the Old Testament. Some of us in here understand it. Some of us don't. But I want to read just a portion of Ezekiel chapter 34 because you're going to see the language in there about the sheep and the shepherd. Ezekiel chapter 34. We read, The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God. Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. Now real quick, he's not talking about a shepherd out with the sheep over on the hillside. He's talking about the leaders who have been given the authority to watch over Israel and the people He's saying, you haven't done any of these things. You've only been concerned about yourself. You haven't demonstrated love for the sheep. Verse 5, so they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts. Since there was no shepherd and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God. Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths, that they may not be food for them. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep, and I will seek them out. Who's speaking? God is. He says, You haven't gone seeking? I will do. I will go and seek them. Verse 12, As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his people or among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep. And I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on the day of cloud, uh, on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines, and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost 
and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. Stop there. Who does that sound like to you? It's Jesus. God in human flesh that would come and do this, and now he's amongst the people. And he will declare in this passage this morning, I am the good shepherd. I am here. Three things we'll look at as we chunk up these these verses this morning. We're going to look at warning against false shepherds. The first thing Jesus is going to talk about. First six verses in chapter 10. We'll then see the welcoming of the good shepherd in verses 7 through 18. And then we'll see the world's response in verses 19 through 20. And we'll close all that with seven things we see from the Scripture this morning that shows us that our good shepherd loves us. Our good shepherd loves us. So let's start in our text this morning looking at the warning against false shepherds. Jesus had just warned them. He just said, look, you think you see, but you're blind. And because you think you see, your guilt remains upon you. These are the religious leaders, those who think they're shepherding God's people. And look at verse 1 of chapter 10. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. So a sheepfold. Shepherds most, most often would go back into town. There would be a big sheepfold, pretty tall walls. They would hire a gatekeeper at night to sit there and make sure nothing got into the sheepfold while they went and rested. Jesus here says, Look, if anybody comes and tries to climb over the side, that's not the shepherd of the sheep. That's somebody else. The shepherd, he says, must come through the door. That's all he said so far. He didn't describe anything else. That's all he said. Let's continue. He says in verse 2, But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. So remember, Shepherds pay the gatekeeper, watch over the sheep. Shepherd shows up, gatekeeper says, oh, you're here, come on in, get the sheep. All makes sense. It's pretty straightforward. Nothing else is going on here. Here it says in verse 3, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Now, this is something interesting with sheep and a shepherd, that sheep know the voice of their shepherd. They can recognize it. So you imagine multiple people show up at the sheepfold, and as one speaks and calls the sheep, only his sheep come. It's amazing. And the others remain until they hear the voice of their shepherd. Verse 4, when he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus doesn't describe any of this here. This is all he says to them. And what he is speaking of is he's warning of false shepherds. He's got the Pharisees in earshot, and basically he's calling them out that they think they're those who are going to oversee God's people, and they're not. And he's saying, people will not follow your voice. But they will follow the true shepherd, the one who calls them, the one who knows them. Now we have to understand, as we go through this passage, those who know him 
is a big deal. And those whom he knows is a big deal. And we'll see that as we unpack this. So just like many of you this morning, we read verses 1 through 6, and some of you are like, okay, so what's going on? Well, look with me at verse 6. You're not alone. Verse 6 says, This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So now he's going to unpack it a little bit. And he's going to welcome the good shepherd. He says, those Pharisees over there, the religious leaders of the day, they're not it. And he's going to point to himself as the good shepherd. Verses 7 through 10, look with me. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. How many of you heard John 10.10 before? That Jesus came to give life and that more abundantly. In what context did you hear that verse? Most likely not in the full context of what Jesus is describing right here. Jesus is talking about a sheep and a shepherd. Look, there are even those you could turn on your TV and they'll use John 10.10 to say, give us all your money and God will bless you with an abundant life. It's called a prosperity gospel. And they use that verse completely out of context. So let's go through what Jesus is saying here. He's saying in verse 7, he says, I am the door of the sheep. Keep with me. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Okay, stop there. Jesus is declaring himself the only way. It's not the first time he's done this, folks. He's done it over and over and over again. And he's going to do it more as we get through this gospel. When we get to John chapter 14, many of you know the famous words of Jesus. In John chapter 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Except through me. There's one way. So he goes and he says, look, All who come this way, they will be saved, and they'll go in and out and find pasture. Now, I know many of us, like sheep and shepherds, I don't understand what they do or what that's all about, but at nighttime, when they put the sheep into the sheepfold, it was a time for the shepherd to go and rest. Early in the morning, he'd go back and get his sheep, and you know where he led them to? Food. Out to pasture. He had to find a place they can go out and they can graze and they can eat. Otherwise, they're going to die. So he would have to lead them to pasture. And here we see Jesus saying about those who are saved will go in and out and find pasture. That's life. That's food. I'm not talking about food of, of sustenance of just, you know, go get, I see some donuts in the back over there. I'm talking about spiritual life being sustained, being satisfied. We're going to unpack this a little bit towards the end of this message, but we're going to see what he means when he says, I came that they may have life and that more abundantly. Look, every single one of us who have come in here today, we care about life. We value life. 
We, we, we value everything about it. If someone said, look, you could have one more day, what would you give for one more day on earth? People usually want to give whatever they can. We've talked about it before, one more month, one more year. What would you give? People value life. And Jesus says, look, not only am I here to give life, but that more abundantly. And in context, he's going to talk about eternal life. That it's not just the here and now, but it's everlasting life. That we can experience Christ, that we can experience his goodness, not only now, but forever. That's what he's speaking of. Jesus continues. He says in verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. You guys see what Jesus is saying? He's saying, look, the guy at the gate, he's been hired to sit there to protect the sheep. But in facing a wolf who's about to hurt him, he's like, I'm out. I'm gone. Why does he not care? Because he doesn't give a rip about the sheep. He just cares about getting paid for the night. He doesn't care about the sheep. And what Jesus is saying is there's something different about me as a shepherd. He says, I am willing to lay down my life for the sheep. Look at verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. He says, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Stop there. Jesus, he's saying, look, I am the way. I am the door. Come through me, be saved, and enjoy abundant life. Life forever. But he says, look, if you compare to those others who say they're out protecting the sheep, they're not. They'll flee. He says, but I'm quite different. I will lay down my life for you. And we know that Jesus has done just that. As we get to our, our points at the end of this, we will unpack all that. But Jesus is describing something quite different than what they're used to. He says in verse 17, he says, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, and that I may take it up again. No one takes it up for me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up. which says this charge I received from my Father. Let me question for you. Jesus came as a demonstration of God's love, that God demonstrated his love to us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That Jesus willingly went and laid down his life for the sheep. He's using this word picture of sheep and a shepherd to say, I willingly lay down my life for you. He's saying, I am much different than anything else that you've known or heard. You know, all this talk about the sheep and the shepherd. How many are familiar with Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. 
Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know that psalm basically sums up what Jesus is talking about? Jesus basically basically is unfolding that psalm. And he's saying the abundant life, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I will be completely satisfied in everything that he provides, that he is the one that makes me to lie down in green pastures. If you know anything about sheep, sheep won't lie down on their own. They're anxious, they're fearful, they're freaking out. Only when they're comforted will they lie down. Only when they feel safe and protected will they lie down. And that is what Jesus painting the picture of. Let's get through the text, and then we'll talk about breaking these pieces down. In verses 19 through 21, Jesus says all these things, and there's just division among the Jews. Some of them say he has a demon and he's insane. They've said that before. Why listen to him? Others said these are not the words of the one who was oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So just as we've seen throughout this entire gospel, the crowd is divided. There are those who are either saying, this man's deranged or this man is divine. And they're divided. Church, Jesus came to lay down his life. Jesus being the good shepherd is what he's painting for us this morning. This morning, we're going to look at, as we look at this text, seven different things that we see in this text of ways that Jesus, the good shepherd, loves us or loves me. Make it personal. If you're a believer this morning, these all apply to you this morning. First one, if you're taking notes, he knows me. First one, he knows me. Look at John chapter 10, verse 3. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. Do you know the Scripture says that before the foundations of the world that he knew you? What? For how long? Forever. That he chose you? That is absolutely crazy. He knows you. I love when it says he knows every hair on my head, which is kind of funny. No. For some of you, it's a little more difficult to count. <laughs> but for me, not so much. But he knows us. We see in verses 14 and 15, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, he knows me. He knows you. Church, it's huge to see when Jesus talks about being the good shepherd that you're not alone. You ever feel alone? You ever feel like, does God even know what's going on? He knows you personally. Jesus said in verse 27, we didn't cover it this morning, but verse 27 of John chapter 10, he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. And they follow me. He knows you. He knows you. The second thing we see in these verses this morning, he leads me. He leads me. So he knows me. And he leads me. In verses 3 and 4, we read, To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. 
He doesn't come behind us whipping us. He's leading. He's on the front end. It says, when he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. He's leading. He knows us. He leads us. That there is direction. There's always a direction towards him. He lays it out. He goes before us. We also see that he feeds us. Number three, he feeds us. John chapter 10, verse 9. says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. Earlier in this gospel, Jesus presented himself as the bread of life. He said, I am the bread of life in John chapter 6, verse 35. He says, whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So wait a minute, look at him again. He knows me. He leads me. But he also feeds me. What does he feed me with? What is he speaking of when he says he feeds me? What am I nourished with? Look, I have a physical hunger, as you could tell by looking at me. But there's also a spiritual one. That my soul needs to be satisfied. And my satisfaction of my soul comes in Christ, in Christ alone. That I can be completely content and satisfied with Christ because He is the one that feeds me. He is the one that sustains me. So He knows me. He leads me. He feeds me. We see in verses 11 through 13 that He cares for me. Verses 11 through 13, we read, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus contrasting himself with these hired hands. He's saying, look, they don't care. But guess what? I do. I care for the sheep so much that I lay down my life for the sheep. Church, who's got your back? Lord does all the time. Lord's got it. So we see again, he knows me. He leads me. He feeds me. He cares for me. How about this one? Number five, he sought me. He sought me. John 10, verse 16, we read, And I have other sheep, Jesus says, that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock and one shepherd. That's really good news, by the way. Because Jesus is speaking to the Jews that are before him, and guess what? I'm looking around. Most of us aren't Jews. We're Gentiles. And he's speaking that there are others that he's coming for, and that he will go and he will seek. We know the Son of Man, Jesus, came in Luke 19.10, that he came to seek and to save that which is lost. And guess what? All of us. Jesus sought me. I mean, you could sit there and think about that for a second, that as I was going astray, just like sheep that go astray, that he went seeking. He went to find me. We read about Nathaniel. Nathaniel said, well, how did you know? How did you know me? He goes, well, before this happened, I saw you under the tree. Jesus sees everything. 
He knows all. And he sought us individually. But not only did he seek us, church, he also saves us. Point number six, he saved me. He saved me. John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He said the same thing in verse 15, I lay down my life for the sheep. And again in verse 17 and 18, he says, For this reason the Father Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and have the authority to take it up. This charge I have received from my Father. So those who say the Jews killed Jesus, what did Jesus say? I have the authority. I laid down my life because I cared about the sheep. Because I loved them, I laid down my life. Now, what did he do? He willingly died in our place. When he says he laid down his life, just like you would think of in this word picture, he's talking about the wolf coming after the sheep, that the shepherd would stand there, lay down his life, and take it. Well, guess what? There was something much worse than a wolf. Scripture says that we are all storing up the wrath of God because of our sin. Now, we don't like talking about that because that's not warm and fuzzy. But it's a reality. And it's what makes our good shepherd a good shepherd. Is that he willingly laid down his life to take that upon himself. That if we would believe, we would receive him, come to him, believe in him. That the sin that was, or the wrath that was rightly due to us was placed on Christ and that we could be forgiven. That's what he's speaking of here. When we talk about he saves me, he went to great length his entire life that he came to give that we might be saved. But, you know, we often think as Christians, when we talk about Christ, we talk about salvation. But what about right now? Do you feel saved right now? Some of you are like, well, I don't know. What does feeling saved? What does that feel like? Jesus says this is eternal life, that you might know the Son of God. You would know him. Do you know Christ? If you're a believer in here this morning, then you have eternal life. Point number seven is this. He gives me eternal satisfaction. He gives me eternal satisfaction. Again, speaking of the abundant life, that you might know Christ, that you might know of the power of Christ, that he came to love, to forgive, to heal, to restore, to give those who could not see eyes to see. That there is so much that goes into our salvation that we would be able to enjoy the fruit of it. Satisfaction, eternal satisfaction, abundant life. You see, it's not just about the here and now, although it is. Those of you who have been transformed by the work of God in your life, you've gone from darkness to life. You've experienced something of satisfaction. There's something that I chased after before. There's a lot of counterfeit stuff. It never brought longing satisfaction. But now Christ, so different. Jesus says, I've come to give abundant life. So in this passage, we see he knows me. He leads me. He feeds me. He cares for me. He sought me. He saves me. And he gives me eternal 
satisfaction. The question this morning is, what do you replace that with? What would you want other than that? What, what kind of love would you fill that in or, or try to fill that void and saying, I just need to experience love? This is a love like no other. It is a continual love that we get through Christ, the one who's come as the good shepherd to continue to lead, continue to feed, to continue to guide. Church, we have such a good shepherd. He loves us so much. And yet there's some who would be in here just as there were then and go, yeah, well, either he's divine or he's deranged. Who would lay down their life for other people? Who would lay down their life? Look, the Bible even says for a righteous man, would someone barely even think about laying down their life before the unrighteous? Who would lay down their lives for someone who would willingly sin against them? Think about our own lives. Do you think we've lived in ignorance our whole lives and didn't know that we were sinning against God when we were in rebellion? No. We willingly walked in rebellion. And yet the good shepherd come and lays down his life for those who willingly sinned against him. And he would say, come to me, receive me. Turn from yourself and turn to him. The word is repent. Turn and receive the good shepherd. And for those of us that know him, know that he loves us so very much. Let's pray, church. Father, as we look at this passage of Jesus using a word picture of shepherd and sheep, Father, for many of us, not experiencing what it would be like to be a shepherd or sheep, being lost in in a word picture, and yet we see the good shepherd being the one who would come to know us, to lead us, to feed us, to care for us, the one who sought us, the one who saves us, who gives us eternal satisfaction. Father, we pray that we would grow in knowing this amazing love that is set before us, that truly we would be in amazement of this love. Father, thinking of John Owen and Woody Penn, that we're never nearer Christ than when we find ourselves lost in a holy amazement at his unspeakable love. Father, I pray in this place this morning that if there's anyone who does not know the Good Shepherd, someone who has not turned to Christ to receive abundant life, to be forgiven of their sins, that this morning your Spirit would draw them unto yourself that they would turn from themselves and turn to Christ. They would receive him. We pray these things in Jesus' name.